Well, good morning. We are jumping back into 1 Peter. We, uh, by God's grace and his goodness, will be wrapping up uh, chapter 2 today. Uh, so for those of you who are wondering how long we'll be in chapter 2, uh, today is the day it ends. And so uh, today we're going to find Peter still uh, instructing the faithful, instructing the uh, exiles. Again, we're speaking to the elect exiles uh, living in a Roman Empire under the reign of Nero. And Peter is going to continue to instruct them uh, in their obligations, not only as Christians, but also just simply as social beings, okay? So um, before we jump into our text this morning, I want to ask you the question, have you ever experienced suffering in your life? Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, most of us could probably answer yes to that question. Many of us have probably experienced suffering that we might be able to look around the room and say today that no one in the room could even understand the type of suffering that we've been through. There have probably been times where you've looked to the Word of God and said, does the Word of God even begin to understand the suffering that I have experienced in my own life? And if that's you today, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message and and just hear again from Peter on his circumstances. You know, if I could literally take a moment in the Bible and transpose a moment that we are seeing, I can't help but wonder... If Peter had the song that we just sung, if he knew that song then, if, it, if that was the song he sang to himself every night, living as an exile in an empire that was not his own, wondering what the next day would bring, knowing that with each passing day, it was only going to get harder and harder and harder and more difficult, not only for him, but also for the believers. But to be able to put his head upon a pillow and say, when the sun comes up, satisfy us before the day has passed us by. Could you imagine holding on to the hope that the only satisfaction in your day that may come would be the satisfaction that that God himself provides? Have you ever thought to yourself for a moment, I wonder, I wonder what suffering should look like for the believer? Have you ever wondered that yourself? What does the the word of God say about suffering? Maybe you're here today and and, and you've said this to yourself, God, I don't know why you continue to choose me with the blessing of suffering, but here I am still suffering for whatever reason. God, I don't know how much more I can take of the suffering that you continue to provide. Well, here's the truth this morning. We are all going to suffer at some point. Our suffering is going to be different. Many of us will suffer the heartache of loss in our life, or we will suffer from diagnoses that we did not want. Many of us will suffer from plans that we thought were good and right and were going to last a lifetime, and yet all of a sudden they crumble before our very eyes. Many of us will suffer the grief over change. Many will suffer the grief in loss of the changes that occur around us. You see, here's the reality. And I know I'm not encompassing every type of suffering this morning. But the reality is no one ever said that because you are now a Christian, things will all of a sudden be easier for us. No one ever said to you, hopefully they didn't say to you or me or to anyone else, that as a Christian, good news, you will now no longer suffer. 
I want to tell you, if that is you this morning and you've heard that statement, then what you have heard is false. It's not a true statement. You see, in our text, Peter knew that Christians would be suffering. Christians would see suffering daily. And not only would they see it daily, but they were going to see suffering increase. And so Peter knew that more and more believers were going to be exposed to a variety of persecutions that were going to be coming their way. So Peter does his part in writing to the church to to help not only ease their exposure of the trouble that they may or may not experience, but then also writing to the believers in order to take comfort in what is now happening all around them. And so Peter's going to continue to write this morning in our text and tell the elect exiles, those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, he will say to them simply, suffer well. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to turn with me. We are in 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning, and we are going to read the end of 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. And I would encourage you that once you have found your place in the Word of God, if you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word. Now again, this is Peter writing in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 18, Peter writes, Servants. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now again, Peter is still speaking to the elect exiles and offering them more instruction on really how to live during a season of heartache and frustration that for the elect exiles living in the Roman Empire is growing on a daily basis. You see, with every passing day under a very radical and deceitful and harsh emperor, the exiles are experiencing more and more suffering. Everything from financial loss to physical persecution, even to losing homes and families and even death. So Peter offers instruction that will help not only the reputation of the believers within their communities, but will hopefully bring peace within the church so that the church itself could avoid unnecessary conflict while they were dealing with the suffering and the persecution that was happening all around them. 
Now I imagine by this particular point in Peter's writing with with imprisonment, with persecution, with, with death, with all these things staring you in the face daily, not even waking up and thinking, what am I gonna have for breakfast today? But rather waking up and wondering, what is going to happen to me today? I would imagine that at this point, the exiles were probably looking around and in heartache and in pain and in frustration saying to themselves, why am I suffering? Why should I be going through this? What good is it to be a Christian and to suffer? I mean, is Jesus Christ really worth all of this? Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you before we begin casting stones at the exiles for having these particular doubts and beginning to question the plan of Christ, let's remember that John the Baptist in the gospel did this very same thing in prison when, while in prison, sent two disciples of his own to Jesus to ask him one question. Are you the one that we have been waiting for? Or is there another? Do you see what John was asking in that moment? He was asking Jesus, are you worth this? Are you worth this imprisonment? Are you worth this impending death? Now Peter, by the time of his writing, had no doubt come uh, to knowing that faith amongst the exiles was beginning to waver. He was, he was probably experiencing some of this, this doubt himself. And under the pressure of the hardships being faced, notice what he does. He calls the church to now suffer well. And he does this by answering the question, why should we suffer well. Now again, this is not a how to overcome suffering. And if you want to know more about that, there's multiple sermons that can be preached on that, but the reality is I don't know if necessarily how is the answer that we need to be seeking, but rather why we should be suffering well as Christians. And so Peter answers that question in verses 18 through 20 when he first says, "We should suffer well because suffering well is a gracious thing. Notice that Peter opens with a command in verse 18. He says, servants. Some translations say slaves. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Now, Peter is going to answer the why to verse 18 of why we should subject ourselves to our masters in verse 21. He says, because Jesus Christ also suffered for you. Now, there's going to be more on that in a moment, but I want us to pause right here and take stock of what's being said in verse 18, because a lot in our society will look at this this passage, particularly chapter 2, verse 18, and they'll say, see, the Bible endorses slavery. So let's hit the pause button here to see really what what Peter is talking about, and to understand what Peter is talking about, we have to understand what's happening in Peter's context. You see, slavery in the Roman Empire was much different from what we see in the United States in our history and what we have experienced when we study slavery in our country. You see, in the the Bible, some translations say slavery. Other translations, uh, the ESV in particular, says servants. This this particular type of bondage was not race-based. In the Roman Empire, they did not look, servants did not look or talk or dress differently than society. Now, were they poor? Yes, absolutely. Because most people in the Roman Empire were poor. However, these particular servants became servants through war. 
They became servants through poverty because they couldn't pay off a debt or they were, uh, better yet, born into a, 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 a servant family. But the reality is the servants in the Roman Empire, they could be well-educated. The fact is a servant in the Roman Empire could have been a doctor. They could have been a teacher. They could have been a shipbuilder. Or as history tells us, many servants went on to serve as city treasurers for the Roman Empire. Servants during the Roman Empire could own property. They could follow their own customs or or their own traditions as long as it didn't affect their work. And believe it or not, they could gain their own freedom. Now, when you compare this to American slavery and what we have seen in our history, there's a distinct difference as slavery in America was clearly race-based. It was clearly abusive. There was clearly no path to freedom and involved men and women who were kidnapped all of which is sin. So for our culture that says Christianity and the Bible endorses slavery, the answer is no, it's not. In fact, in our text, Peter is not endorsing nor blessing slavery. Rather, he's speaking specifically to Christians who are serving another. You see, Peter is now calling for Christian servants to live in respect for their authority because God has ordained these moments with these leaders. Peter even calls for respect for authorities who act in hard ways or harsh ways towards their servants. Why? So that in our service, it would be God who is glorified during what it is that we would consider hard or harsh. You see, the reality for all of us today is all of us are sitting under some form of authority. If you're in this country, which clearly you are, we all sit under some authority. Most of us work for a boss. Most of us have a boss, and sadly, what happens is we can find ourselves in situations where we want to fight against or rebel against the boss because we think they're being too hard or because we think they're being too harsh. Well, if you're paying attention to the word of God here, if God can command a harder thing, which is servants submitting themselves to harsh masters under a harsh emperor, then surely, as Christians today, we can submit ourselves to harsh or hard superiors since their power is more modest than what Peter was dealing with in his day. Do you hear that? Now let me unpack what I'm talking about here in case you missed it too often. As Christians today, working for another, we want to respond anger for anger. Too oftentimes, we want to respond disrespect for disrespect. Don't believe me? Click on social media. It's a cesspool of encouragement. Said no one ever. And yet here in our passage, Peter calls the exiles to submit. He calls us as a church to submit and not just simply submit but to submit with respect to leaders that are difficult to work with again don't mishear what i'm saying 
If our leaders are leading us in a way that goes against the word of God, then we have cause for rebellion. We talked about this last week. If they lead us against the word of God, if they tell us all of a sudden that the word of God no longer matters, then the reality is the word applies here for them as well. And we should speak the word of God to them and rebel in those moments. However, if they're only evil, is that they're difficult? If they're only evil, is that they're harsh? Peter says to still respect them. And to remember that when you serve, you serve as if you were serving the Lord himself, not man. Now we hear these words in a Western world and we say to ourselves, Nuh-uh. No, sir. I am entitled to me, 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 me. Peter, you don't know a thing about what I'm going through. You don't know one thing about my suffering, Peter. You don't know what it's like to work for a harsh boss. You don't know what it's like to deal with a hard leader. I'm not submitting to anyone unless I think or I deem them worthy enough. I mean, could you imagine having that conversation with Peter in the room right now? I'd imagine it'd be like that Willy Wonka meme that's going around where he kind of put his arm on his shoulder like this, or his elbow down and just go, really? Tell me more about harsh leaders. I just imagine he would do that. If anybody understood harsh leaders, again, it would be Peter. But I want you to pay attention to the words that I just said to you because many of us have thought these words. You see, these thoughts or words really expose our concept of work that is actually rooted in culture and is not at all rooted in the word of God. In fact, too oftentimes, we think that our work should be a place where we grow. We think that our work should be a place where we find fulfillment. We think that our work should be a place where we develop our gifts and where we should flourish as individuals. And even though these things may sound good in theory, I want you to hear what Romans chapter 12 says. Paul, who agrees with Peter at this moment, says that what we should be doing is we should be exercising our gifts cheerfully, which means that we should take joy in our work. Notice what Paul is saying. Our responsibility is to use the gifts that God has given us with joy in the work that we're doing, not seeking joy from the work. In fact, some of our earlier fathers, church fathers, Martin Luther and John Calvin said it this way. We should see our work in relationships as domains not freely chosen, but rather providentially assigned to each person. What are they saying? They're agreeing with Peter when they say, listen, God has us right where he wants us. So give God the glory in the work you have been called to. Don't just abandon ship because it got hard. Don't just, don't just quit because you, because you disagree with someone. Sure, grow in the work. Sure, grow in your career. But be sure to serve well where the Lord has you. Now coming back to our text, notice that Peter says that we are to submit with all respect. In other words, Peter says that we are called to serve faithfully and honorably. You see, like our day the exiles were quick to rebel. They wanted to rebel. They were looking for reasons to rebel. Again, they were going to rebel against the Roman Empire. They didn't have a chance. 
But that's what they wanted to do. But here's the reality. There is a place for godly rebellion. And again, we talked about some of those places last week, but we now live in a day and a time where people are too quick to doubt their authorities. And so they declare that we now have a right to rebel. And what Peter is saying to us this morning is he's saying, no. Rather subject yourself with respect to those who have authority over you. In fact, Peter continues in verse 19. He says, for this is a gracious thing. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Literally, Peter is saying to us, look, suffering well is grace. And not grace is an unmerited favor, but grace that counts with God and with which God is now well pleased. Listen, Peter acknowledges no one likes to suffer unjustly. However, the Lord is pleased when we suffer unjustly because it's a form of imitation of Jesus Christ. Peter continues in verse 20, and he says, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Again, Peter is not saying that anyone and everyone deserves a beating. That's not what he's saying. Peter's Peter's not looking out at the Christians and saying, hey, go out and receive the beating you deserve. That's not what he's saying at all. Although, if we're being honest today and we look around our nation, we have to wonder if some of our leaders didn't get enough whoopings as kids, right? We're all feeling that at the moment. But rather in our text, Peter's distinguishing between suffering that is righteous and suffering that is necessary as a consequence. You see, here's the reality. We have no right to complain when we are punished for our misdeeds. We have no right to complain about that. God is not impressed when we sin and endure punishment that is well-deserved, and we say, it's all for the glory of God. However, what Peter does say is this. It is praiseworthy if, like Jesus who endured the cross, we endure injustice and we do so graciously and dare I say, quietly in the same way that Jesus Christ approached the cross. Now again, please don't mishear what's being said from the word of God. This is not a complete call to remain quiet over injustice according to the word of God. There is a time and a place to speak to injustice. But that's not what Peter is talking about today. What he is talking about is is that in our work, in our suffering, it is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy to be a Christian in this world. And so we have to ask ourselves, how will we endure when suffering comes? Will we be the type of people who whine and complain repeatedly again and again and again and do so loudly? Or will we continue to walk faithfully, knowing that even in the midst of our suffering, God is providential and that he alone is still sovereign? You see, here's our takeaway from this first section. As Christians, suffering will come. Suffering is inevitable. Some of that suffering may come in the form of consequences to our sin. Others will be a result of direct injustice because of our faith. So when we suffer, do so graciously. 
recognizing that even in our present suffering, our God still has a providential plan for us. Don't think for a second in your suffering that God is through with you. That's just simply not true. Don't think for a second that in your suffering, God has abandoned you. That is not true at all. So Peter tells us that suffering well is a gracious thing. We then move to our second point that we see in verses 21 through 25. And and Peter gives us yet another reason as to why we should suffer well. And he says, because suffering well is Christ's call. Or if that doesn't work for you, suffering well is the call of Christ. Notice that Peter opens in verse 21 and 22 by saying, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Notice that Peter tells the exiles again that suffering is clearly the call of Jesus Christ. And so, too, it's the call for us today. You see, here's the reality. Since we are Christians in the room, Christians meaning little Christ, literally, or better yet, meaning like Christ, our call is to follow in the words and the examples of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And so Peter calls the exiles to suffer and to continue in their suffering because Christ suffered for us, thus leaving us an example that we are now to follow. And as Christians, we are all called to walk in his steps. Now bear in mind, when you go back and read of the, of the death of Jesus Christ, notice his steps led him to silently bear unspeakable hatred and violence. And yet he continued moving forward. In fact, Peter continues in our passage. He says, listen, it was Jesus who committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. You see, Jesus never strayed from God. Jesus never strayed from the word. Jesus never got upset unjustly. He never made a bad decision. Jesus never got a laugh at the expense of another person, nor did Jesus in his suffering look to blame someone else, or dare I say even deceive others about someone else. You see, Peter showed us that Jesus suffered well. Jesus never once complained. Jesus never once whined. Jesus only spoke when it was necessary to speak truth. And the truth he spoke was a capital T truth that we see in the word of God. So we have to ask ourselves this morning as as followers of Christ, as those seeking to live in the image of God, as those who are image bearers of Jesus Christ. What is our excuse when we complain when things get hard? What really is our point when we say, God, why me? God, why me again? What makes us for a moment think as those who follow Jesus Christ, what makes us think that all of a sudden we are too good to suffer? 
I'm sorry, but there's too many prosperity preachers that you can watch on TV right now, and they are getting it wrong. Stop listening to what they tell you. You see, when we experience suffering, let's look to Jesus Christ for our example, who suffered at the hands of blind, vindictive men who mocked him as he suffered the most wretched death. As Christians, Peter would say, in the midst of suffering, look to Jesus. In the midst of your hardships, look to Jesus. In the midst of your pain, look to Jesus. In fact, in verse 23, he continues, when he, being Jesus, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Notice Jesus' model for suffering. Summed up in two words. Patience and calm. The reality is this. As Christians on this earth, we may never see the glory that comes from our suffering. However, there is glory in bearing suffering. There is glory in bearing insults silently and then committing ourselves to God the Father to judge and to vindicate us. In fact, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, we read that the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Now again, pay attention because our natural reaction is to fight back. We want to match word for word. We want to match slander for slander. We want to match insult for insult. But here again, the words from Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Notice that the Lord will judge. It is the Lord that will vindicate. It is the Lord that will give justice. And it is the Lord that will be glorified. I'm sorry, Marvel movies. We are not the Avengers nor are we called to be. Rather, we have a gospel mission. And our responsibility is to share the gospel. And in knowing that when we share the gospel, we will suffer. Now, I want you to notice the phrase that we see in the text where it says, and he continued entrusting himself. Now again, we are looking at the example of Jesus Christ. Again, notice that Jesus was handed over again and again and again for ill, but ultimately Jesus handed himself over to God the Father. In other words, Jesus suffered patiently because of his confidence in God the Father. And so I want to ask you on this Father's Day, where is your confidence? Is your hope in your job? Your job will end. Is your hope in your career? Your career will fade. Is your hope in people? They will fail you. If we are to be like Jesus, let us put our full confidence in our sovereign God who has set the plan for our life in motion from the beginning of creation. You see, as Christians in this day and time, we need to take a stand for truth. 
But as we stand upon truth that is the word of God, we need to know that standing on this truth is not going to be a popular choice. We're probably going to offend many people around us. We are going to open ourselves to the door of suffering because of the word of God. And so we must be willing to trust God with his plan and then trust God for our vindication. So I want to ask you this morning, when you're suffering, as you are suffering, do you trust God in this moment? As you are suffering and that suffering continues to get harder and it just seems like there is no end, you're kind of going, God, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Do you still trust God even in that moment to look to you and say, I am the light and the tunnel is well lit? You see, Peter knew suffering would come. Because he knew it was a gracious thing to suffer. But he also knew it was a part of the call of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus spoke this in in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 20. He said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Even Jesus said, persecution will come. But notice the hope that Peter leaves us with in verse 24. He says that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Notice Peter in hopes of assuring the exiles offers yet again a word of encouragement in the midst of suffering. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you something, church. Jesus' death was unique. You see, Jesus' death is the atoning sacrifice. Jesus' death is the penal substitution for our sin. Jesus took the place that we deserved, which fulfills all that was prophesied about in Isaiah 53. God's justice demanded payment for sin, and it was Jesus who was chosen to become that payment for our sins. And so Peter would answer the question, why would Jesus do this? He answers it in verse 25. He says, for you were straying like sheep, but you've now returned to the shepherd and, man, I love that conjunction, and overseer of your souls. Peter was literally singing the hymn at this point. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. And the reality is we did. That is exactly where Jesus Christ found us. And it was Christ who brought us back to life and brought us back into the fold of God. So as Christians, we suffer well because we see the clear call from Jesus Christ's example to suffer well. We suffer well because it was Jesus Christ who atoned for our sins. Even while we strayed from him. And though we wondered, it was Christ who called us back to him. And by God's grace and by his goodness, we have been given mercy by God. A grace and mercy that will sustain us through this life and forever into eternity. And because of this grace, my prayer is that we would learn to suffer well, which is the clear call of the gospel.
Do we see it, church? We are called to suffer well as Jesus Christ suffered on our behalf. Never lose sight of the fact that Jesus' work became the atoning sacrifice needed for us to be reunited with God. We acknowledge and celebrate this notion each and every week that we gather for worship. It's why we take communion every week as believers in Christ. It's also why we have red doors. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, those doors back there are not red because we like the color red. They're not red because I'm a bulldog. Stop that. They're red to remind us that by the blood, we are able to come and worship in the presence of a holy God. By the blood, we are sent out to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we go forth by the blood of Christ. As followers of Christ, we need to know that life is going to be difficult. We are going to suffer. And I'm not talking about the recent heat wave in our area. We are going to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. But ultimately, as Peter says to us, Jesus shows us the way to suffer well. Jesus never repaid evil for evil. Jesus trusted God for his vindication. There is a place and a time for justice and rebellion, but that belongs to the Lord and not to mankind. So in the midst of suffering, my prayer is that we would look to Jesus Christ, that we would all see that we are called to receive the blow, that we're called to take the punch. Because here's the truth. The world's best shot will never be big enough to stop the work of God in our lives. I'm going to say it again. The world's best shot will never be big enough to stop the work of God in our lives. Imagine how different church life would be if we learned to take shots better. Imagine how different life would be if we didn't get so angry. Imagine the grace that would flow from our lives as we lived by the example of Jesus Christ. Listen, church, I'm going to tell you, there will be a time to rebel. I imagine that time is coming. There will be a time to fight. There will be a time to to stand upon truth. However, there is also a time to suffer. And so why should we suffer? We suffer because it's gracious. We suffer because that is the call of Christ. And so in the midst of suffering, I want to encourage you to remember, everyone in this room is going through something. Don't downplay the issues of another person. Not every action or word needs a response. Be patient. Remember that Jesus can and will carry us through our suffering. He is the one who has set the example for us to follow. Christian, I want to tell you something. You don't suffer alone today. You do not suffer alone today. By his wounds, we are healed. So my prayer for you is that you would learn to live the gracious call of Jesus Christ 
and know that as Christians, we are called to suffer well. Let's pray together.